Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. I appreciate everyone here being here on this evening. It's good to see the the G here this evening. It's good to see the G here. Thank y'all for coming out. Uh, thank you to Carlos for uh, inviting me to speak here at the homecoming gospel meeting on uh, this evening. And Avenue G's probably looking at me funny on this evening. This is a suit. <laughs> Got it buttoned up all the way. All right. And I, I, I'm appreciative of Carlos as well. Everybody uh, literally and spiritually looks up to him. So uh, that's the thing. I uh, appreciate him always uh, being willing to, to answer because everybody don't answer when you call on them. Well, and he answers. And I uh, appreciate him for that and being a good brother and, and helping us out uh, as we got our start as well. Right. On this evening, I was given the topic of In God We Trust. And as I got as I got the topic, I'm looking at this thing and I'm just like, OK, how, how, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? How can I find something in God's word that talks about it? And the first thing I think about when I think about in God we trust is that green stuff we carry around in our wallets and purses. Right. And so I was like, let me look at the history of this green stuff and where this term came from, this model came from. And as it turns out, in God we trust has not always been on the U.S. currency. Uh, in 1861, there was a minister uh, by the name of M.R. Watkinson from Ridleyville, Pennsylvania. And in 1861, it's the middle of the Civil War, mind you. And y'all in here have been sitting in history class before. Y'all remember the Civil War, right? This country that we live in today, uh, folks that didn't look like other folks wasn't always free, I can say it. And so our country decided to go up to war against itself. Right. And they had the Civil War, and you had these two sides fighting against each other. And what this minister was concerned with, he was concerned with the fact that if we destroy ourselves beyond repair, when people in the future come and look at this country, and they look at our coins, and they look at our money, they're going to look at us and say, we're just a bunch of savages who own each other. And so he urged the government to add on the coin something that referred to us trusting in God. He said, we got to have something on there that shows that we are godly people. All right? Now, this is 1861. We all in here understand that it wasn't until 1865 that black people were free. Well, well. But they went ahead and put it on the, the coin anyway. They said, in God we trust. In God we trust in, in God we believe in. 
And that's something that we've always stood by. Anytime something bad is happening in America, we throw God in the picture. You yeah, see? But just because we put in God we trust on our coins and on our paper money does not mean that we are God-trusting people. Amen. And so as I looked at this topic, I, I just started to think, you know, sometimes we look at ourselves and we fill our forms, we fill our census forms, and we get online and we, we're on social media and we put that, uh, we, we are Christians, and we, we put that as our preference of how we worship God. Amen. But being called something and actually being something is not the same thing. Amen. There's a lot of people in here, including myself, who are members of gyms. But that does not mean that we are healthy people. We don't go to the gym all the time. We pay, we pay for the gym. But we don't go to the gym all the time. You know, there are there are other titles that we wear uh, that really describe who we are. It's because it's something that we do. There's some people in here who are grandparents. You had children, they had children. You're in your grandchildren's lives. There's people who are veterans. They served in the military, fought in wars. They're veterans. There's people in here who have been children of other people, and they're children because they actually do that thing. But in today's society, there are people who say that they are Christians, but they do not trust in God. It's more than just a title that we wear. It's more than just something that we call ourselves. It's more than something that, that we identify ourselves on the forums and social media. Being Christian has so much more to do than just a name. And so I, I found the text, and it's something that I've read a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this, being God people, being God people. So if you have your Bibles this evening, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. That's New Testament. And I appreciate you, Carlos. My handwriting looked like chicken scratch. So he, he, he fixed it for me. <laughs> now now we can all read it, right? When you get there, say amen. amen. Acts chapter 11. As we look at the book of Acts, I want you to understand what we're reading. The book of Acts is a book that was written by uh, Luke, the physician. Uh, this book is written to an audience who may not have been familiar with God and who God actually was. This is more geared towards an audience that would have been people like us, people who were not children of Israel. And so as Dr. Luke writes this book of Acts, he's writing this book as if it's a history book. And so he overdoes it with the facts. He's putting facts in there and details in there that doesn't look like other books, that doesn't look like other gospels that we have. And in Acts writing, in Luke's writings, we see that he goes in detail and explaining what things mean to where you wouldn't have had to explain that to the audience, right? When you try to explain something to a brother, a black man, right? You talk to a black man about the barber shop. He understands that having a barber is like having another wife. You can't just go to a different barber. You can't do it. Now, if you go to a different audience, they don't understand that. And that's what Luke does here. He says, okay, I'm going to break this down for you so where you can understand God from the aspect of somebody who has been in this nation of people and who has heard the history and who has grown up with this thing his whole life. Okay, So he's going to go in great detail. But as we pick up in the book of Acts, 
Acts chapter 11. This happens to pick up right after the stoning of Stephen. Anybody here recognize and understand that name, Stephen? <laughs> Stephen was one of the one who was picked up. Yeah, that's a good name, isn't it? Uh, Stephen was one of the people who was chosen to be one of the servants in the church. Whenever there were people who were not being catered to, who were not being who were not being served well enough, they decided, okay, apostles, we got to be about God's word. So now we need to find some men who will serve God in a capacity so that we can dedicate our services to the word of God. And Stephen was one of those people. Mm-hmm. Stephen was a bold man. Yes, and he went to face the synagogue of freedmen. And when he went to go face them, they tried to debate him about certain things. And Stephen said, look, no, I know what God's word says, and I'm full of wisdom. And whenever he spoke to them, and they could not overcome his debate and his conversation. They got very upset, and so they started whispering to other people, let's go and kill this man. So they got together, and they grabbed stones, and they literally killed him with stones. They laid their, their outer garments at the feet of this man named Saul. Yes, sir. You're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when this happened, this church that was in Jerusalem, this church that had began on the day of Pentecost with all these different nations and all of these peoples had come from all these different places in Africa yes, and all these other regions in the ancient Near Eastern culture. They stayed there when this great thing happened on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. But when Stephen got stoned, they got out of town. They got out of town because they said it's not friendly here. It's not okay to talk about Jesus here anymore. So they dispersed. And we know now, looking back on this thing, that it was the work of God because they couldn't have just stayed in Jerusalem. Because then Christianity wouldn't have spread. God allowed the persecution to happen so that they could spread. And so that's what we're picking up today in Acts chapter 11, verse number 19. The church has been spread and dispersed. Acts chapter 11, I'm going to read the text in its entirety first, and then we're going to exegetically break this down and see what God has to say to us. Verse number 19, the Bible reads, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Verse number 20 says, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Can we say some of them? That's going to be important in a moment. Who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord. Can we say Lord? Lord. Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Verse number 24 reads, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, the same man who was involved with the killing of Stephen. Verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. As we look at verse number 19, the Bible reads, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution arose 
over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia. I want you to understand that these people were afraid to be followers of Christ at this time. It was not friendly to them. This wasn't a friendly environment to them. They were terrified. Scurred. Not with the A, but with the U. Scurred. To be Christians. Now we, 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 we know and we understand this some a bit today because we face some persecution with believing the things that we believe. As Christians in a nation that has totally gone astray. We understand what it means to respect and obey God and have a culture surrounding you that does not. It's hard when you're trying to be obedient to God and trying to fit in society as well. It's a hard juggling act. Can someone read verse 19 for me? Those who were scattered. Now those who were scattered. After the persecution that arose over Stephen. All right. Traveled as far as Phoenicia, okay. Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. So this is what they did. They said, "Okay." We know that there are some Jews who just don't believe in this Jesus fella so much that they're willing to kill us. So what we're going to do is we're going to get out of town in Jerusalem and we're not going to talk to anybody but people who are like us. But there's a problem there. That's not God's original intention. God didn't intend for there to only be Israelites as Christians in his church. Abraham wasn't chosen because of his race. He was chosen because of his faith. And God had made a promise to him that he would make his seed or his seed as numerous as the stars and the sands. And that through his seed, he would bless the whole world. And through his lineage, Jesus Christ came. And Jesus didn't come down to this earth to die for one race of people. And so when they decided because of their fear to only talk to Jews, they were going against the plan of God. And even though they called themselves at this time people of God, they were not being people of God. We cannot be Christians in name only. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, is my fear among unbelievers stronger than my trust in God? Is my fear among unbelievers stronger than my trust in God? Verse number 20, the Bible reads, but there were some of them. And thank God for the some of them. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, I need to start stop right here for a moment because some of us aren't going to catch up with what's going on here. The Hellenists were people who were either Jews who did not grow up with that Jewish background or either they were just straight up Greeks. Now, we know that Alexander the Great, he was a nasty dude. Okay? He was not a Christian. He was not someone who would have been fitting in with God's people. There was a few of those people who went out into persecution and decided, hey, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk to people who aren't like us. And I think that that's important for us today because, you know, we can't be afraid to talk to people who are like us. Just because somebody doesn't have the same color skin as I have doesn't mean that I have to shut them out. Just because somebody is poorer than I am, just because somebody can't afford the same type of soap that I bathe my body in and have a B.O. doesn't mean that I can't talk to them. But there was a few people during this persecution and this spreading who decided, you know what, we're going to go to these people who don't know God and we're going to introduce to them a loving God who has sent us out for a purpose and we're going to give them the gospel. 
So they spread the word to these Hellenist people. They spread the word to these Hellenist people. What does verse 21 say there? And the hand of the Lord was with them. And it says that when they decided to be brave in a culture that was attacking them, in a culture that said, no, you can't proclaim Jesus Christ, when they decided to go out and talk about Jesus anyway, it says what? And the hand of the Lord was with them. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And what I need you to understand from this is, when we are filled, fearless, in our trust in God, God will be with us. Amen. 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 When we are fearless in our trust of God, the hand of God will be with us, and there is nothing that we cannot do. Amen. These people were risking their literal lives. While we risk maybe our jobs, a couple of likes on social media, they were risking their lives. Let's look at 21 again. Read that top. And the hand of the Lord was with them. It says, the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and uh-huh. turned to the Lord. And a great number believed and talk. What? Turn to the Lord. God is with those who are with them. When the power of God is present among his people, others become believers. And I believe that to be true. Now, if you notice this here, and I I love that they use this word. This word appears in this passage here over five times. You see the word Lord. You know, when we go, we study our Bibles. It's important that when we we pull out a passage out of the Bible, it's important that we notice words that are repeated over and over. Because usually that's the point that the author and God is trying to get to you. Now, this word Lord in the Greek is kurios. Kurios. And this means, this is a person who has divine authority over you. So what they're saying here is, is that Jesus had divine and supernatural authority over their lives and they were teaching other people that Jesus needs to have that same divine authority over your life too. It's not enough for Jesus to just be Savior. Because a lot of times we want Jesus to be our Savior. God, Jesus, save me from hell. Save me from eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. And we get baptized and we accept this gift that God has given us, but then we don't want Jesus to be Lord. I want the benefits that comes with having you as my Savior, but I don't want you to run my life. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to tell me that I should not live a certain way. Yeah. But these people here in this environment, they too accepted Jesus as their Lord. That's right. And when that happens, God is with you. God can work with you. God can work on you. God can work through you. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to the text. Verse number 23 through 24. When 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 he came and saw the grace of God. Then we read 22. Read 22 for us. And the news of these things came to the ears of the church and grew. I want you to know that when you begin to live a life that shows that Jesus has lordship over you, folks start to look. Folks start to look. They start to recognize, you know what? Maybe I don't have it all figured out, 
This person over here is having the same bad things happen to them that's happening to me, but yet they still have joy. They still have love for each other. They're not stressing out, pulling their hair out, having to take 50 million uh, medications. There's something different about those people who choose to rely and allow God to be Lord and Jesus to be Lord in their lives. And so the church in Jerusalem, back where they had come from, they start to hear about it. They hear reports about these people in this place who's going out and teaching people who are different. And what happens? They sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Good works cause a spread reaction that reaches to those who can help. Because Barnabas was a helper. He was an encourager. Barnabas was one of those people who could tell you you look good when you know you don't. (laughs) When you know you ain't had a haircut in weeks, Barnabas tell you you look good. They used him for that purpose. Verse number 23 and 24, when he came and saw the grace of God, when he came and saw the grace of God, this word grace here simply means kindness, kindness shown towards someone. When Barnabas came, he saw that God had been kind to this people. This word that we live in is not kind. And when you serve God and when Jesus is your Lord and your authority over your life and the people see the results of that in your life, you say, man, God is really good to them. I need to be a part of that. And it made Barnabas glad. And it says that he exhorted them all. He encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord. There it goes again with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. When people see that God's people are touched by God, they will come. Barnabas did what he does best and he encouraged them to continue to be faithful. And it says here that they were steadfast. That means that they didn't waver. They didn't fade off when things got bad, when things wasn't going as they hoped it to be. They were steadfast, continuing on the course that got them to the point that they were in at that moment in time. There's no retirement in this thing called Christianity. There's no retirement. Verse number 25 says, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. You see what happened here? The same man who held the clothing of those who killed Stephen. God had prepared an instrument to strengthen this body. God was working in their destruction to construct the church in Antioch. Mm-hmm. I need you to see in this that just because you used to be a killer for the devil well, doesn't mean you cannot be a life giver for God. Amen. Some of us think that we're not good enough. There's somebody in here this evening that don't feel like they're good enough. There's somebody in here that thinks that they've done too much wrong in order for God to use them. Too many people know about my past. Too many people know about what I used to do. Too many people know about the lies I told and the words that I've spoken. How can I go out and tell them about God when they know who I used to be? And here God is using a murderer to build up the church. That ought to be encouragement for us. 
I don't think anybody in here is killing you. Well, don't say that. <laughs> I hope that nobody in here is killing anybody. <laughs> but you too can be an encourager and a building for God's yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What does verse 26 say? And when he had found him, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year. Uh-huh. They assembled with the church and taught a great many people. Okay. And the disciples were first called Christians uh-huh. in Antioch. When he got there, Saul, who later becomes Paul, started teaching these folks. It says here, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples, and that's an important word for us. Yes, sir. Disciples. Yes, sir. Disciples. Can y'all say disciples? Disciples. It doesn't look like it should sound that way, but it is that. Disciples are students. Mm-hmm. And students require two things. A teacher and a willingness to be learners. Yeah. You cannot be a disciple if you don't want to be taught. You cannot be a disciple if you don't come to worship or Bible class. Remember, we're talking about trusting in God. Not just being Christians in name only. When somebody looks at you and how you behave when you think no one's looking, can they see Christ in you? Can they say that's a Christian? Can they say whenever they have a conversation with you, I just had a conversation with a Christian. It cannot happen if we are first disciples. Christianity is not a a singular thing. It's something that involves a whole community of people. The church is not something that you can be by yourself. The, li- the word literally means a group of people. Mm-hmm. It says here that the disciples were first called. First called. And I thought that was, that was important in this text as we look at this. Mm-hmm. Because we can call ourselves a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I like to call myself handsome. <laughs> it, it ain't nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just that it doesn't make it true for those that's looking. But with the actions of the people who were living in Antioch at this time, when they looked at these people and when they kept hearing the conversations, they keep talking about Jesus saying that he is the Christ. The Messiah, the anointed one, the one who was sent down here for the sole purpose of saving the world. That's all these people talk about. And so they started calling them Christians. That's not something that they gave themselves. Christians wasn't a name that they said they brought it up and say, like, okay, this is what we're gonna call ourselves. Right. That's who they were. That's right. That's what they lived. That's what they talked about. What does our do people look at our churches and our members and say, that's Christians? They always talking about that man Christ. They always talking about God's son. They always changing the subject so it can get back to the gospel. They always trying to get me off in their church house. 
<laughs> Can people say that about us as Christians? Do we truly trust in God? Are we more concerned with being Republicans, Democrats, African Americans? Our priority shows who we really have trust in. Some of us are merely consumers. Our main priority is to spend money. Every man in here just grabbed his money. <laughs> what, what our priorities are that shows what we truly trust in in Antioch they were first called Christians not a name that they gave themselves but by their actions they showed that they trust in God we cannot we cannot be the people who simply mark on a sheet Right. I'm a Christian. Right. Well, we cannot be a people who simply call ourselves Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We must be Christian. Yeah. I can keep calling myself fit and handsome. That doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. After a while, the, the, the effectiveness of that word fades. Mm-hmm. But we must be Christians. And in order to be so, we must do a couple of things. And I think that in order for us to trust in God, one thing that we must do, we must allow Jesus to be both Lord and Savior. Second thing that we must do, we must be a disciple and a disciple maker. And we must go and tell others about the Christ as the Christians did. Imagine how our community would be affected if they saw our living trust in God instead of it only being told to them. What if they saw it in us instead of us just telling them about it? Imagine how our communities could be affected. What would happen if we were fearless in our faith, relentless in our spiritual efforts, when it was time to go out on the job and not just be a worker, but be a Christian there too? When it was time to go to school, more than being a student, we were Christians in the schools. What would happen to our communities? What would happen to our church if we were Christians instead of just calling ourselves Christians? What would happen if we went from place to place speaking about the kingdom like Christ instead of only flocking to a church building? What would happen in the church if we loved other hurtful spiritual family members like Christ loved Judas and Peter? What would happen in our world if we were driven by being Christians instead of belonging to political parties or racial groups? men and women will we put our trust in God if you're not a Christian this, this evening I was about to say this morning I want you to understand that you live beneath your privilege God loves you and he, he, he wrote a love story to you in his word before the foundations of this earth God had a plan he knew in all of his knowing that we would need a savior. He knew that you would make mistakes. He knew that I would make mistakes. He said, I have a plan before the foundations of the world. And he worked it out through his son, Jesus. Jesus Christ came down here from the glory of heaven. Didn't look back when he did it. He said, I love them too. I'm willing to die for them. And Jesus died. And he was put into a tomb. And the good news is, he didn't stay there. Mm -hmm. 
That's good news for all of us. He didn't stay there. Jesus got up so that uh, that we, through him, can get up too. We have to believe that message. We have to believe the gospel message. In order for us to see salvation, we can't stay the same people. We must repent of our sins. We have to change our hearts in order to change our actions. We have to confess Jesus that he is the son of God, and we must be buried for the remission of our sins in the watery grave of baptism. It is there we meet the blood of Jesus. It is there where our sins are washed away. When we stand before the judge on judgment day, he won't find you guilty of the sins that you've committed in your past. I invite you all to do so if you need to as we sing this song of invitation. 696.